God, thank you for who you are. And God, we want to give you all the praise and all the glory for what we know you're doing in our church. You receive all the praise, Lord God, for it. Thank you. Thank you so much for using us to impact the lives of people in Nigeria where we created sustainable businesses and profitable businesses there, where we created jobs, where people's lives are being changed, where children can get educated and people can drink clean water because of this whole concept of business tree and marketplace ministry. God, thank you for all of it. And I pray, dear God, that you would raise up the resources necessary to help the underground church in China, to help the churches around the world, to help plant churches in Europe. All these things, Lord, we can help with. We can do here in this church because of the uniqueness of what you called us to do. We're so excited about it, so dynamic, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. All right, so here's the thing. We're kicking off a new series this morning, okay? A new series. During this series, this season of Advent, call, it's basically called Intentional Christmas. Intentional Christmas. If you look at your family news bulletin, we've got something going on all throughout December. Every day you can pick something specific to do. We've got all kinds of things to invite your friends to. It's going to be a great, great, great series and a great, great season. Advent is a time of preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ and the celebration of his birth and also anticipation of his return, that Jesus is coming back. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it says this, While Jesus was living in the Galilean hills, John, called the baptizer, was preaching in the desert country in Judea. His message was simple and austere, like his desert surroundings. Change your life. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. When Jesus showed up, God's kingdom is with us. God's kingdom is here. John and his message were authorized by Isaiah's prophecy. Thunder in the desert. Prepare for God's arrival. Make roads smooth and straight. So John the Baptist prepared Judea for the first coming of Jesus Christ. And his example, we can use. We can use his example. We can take that example as we, as we have our own personal preparation, if you will, to, as we look forward to the, the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus Christ, celebrating that first coming of Jesus Christ. This is the perfect, guys, this is the perfect time of year to share your faith, right? It's a perfect time of year. We just spent months, a few months, right, talking about how to defend your faith, how to start conversations and lead people into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the perfect time of year to start those conversations because it's Christmas, right? And it's, it's the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. So we've got to think of ways. I want you to think of maybe one person, one or two people that you can invite all right, to our, to our Christmas program. Just one or two people. Think about it as we're, as you're listening this morning. Think about who you want to invite to that program. Who you'd like to get a conversation started with. Maybe this year around the dinner table or you're sitting around and just talking. Just bring up some of the topics that we, we, we discussed over the last few months. 
It's a perfect time of year to talk to people. Like John, here's the thing. Like John, we need to have passion. We need to be bold. We need to be God's thunder. That's what they call John the Baptist. The thunder in the desert. This is our opportunity. This is a perfect time of year for us to be that thunder in the desert. As we launch into this kind of Advent series and we talk about hope and we talk about peace and we talk about joy and we talk about love and we talk about these things, this is kind of the introduction, if you will, to those things. But we need to prepare ourselves for what God is going to do in this season, in this church. He's doing amazing, amazing things, but he's going to do even more. So like John, we need to have that boldness, okay? That's what it means to be thunder in the desert. We need to have that boldness. We need to have that passion to tell other people about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thunder, thunder, if you will, reminds us of a storm, right? It's, it, it, it recalls a storm. If you're sitting in your room or if you're sitting in your house and you hear thunder, you know a storm is coming. In this case, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming. The king, the Messiah is coming. It reminds us the storm is coming. And one day, here's the thing. You got to ask yourself the question this Christmas season. Why did Jesus have to come? One day that storm is coming back. One day that storm is coming back and he's coming back to judge this world. John spent most of his ministry, okay, in this, in this desert area, in this wilderness of Judea. So I was kind of thinking, what, what is it like desert, wilderness? What is wilderness? Wilderness, I looked it up, can mean lonesome. John spent his, his, his ministry in, in a kind of, in a kind of desolate place, in a lonesome place. Much of the area John ministered in, interested in was remote. He ministered in a remote place. It was, it, it was, it was secluded, if you will. Very secluded. And it was, it was forsaken. The wilderness of Judea was basically a wasteland that was bordering on the Jordan River and near the entrance to the Dead Sea, which you're all going to see because we're all going to Israel. So we'll be able to see all this, right? So all this talk we give, it's, you know, here is the Jordan River bordering on the Dead Sea and extending several, several miles inland. That's where he spent his time ministering, most of his time ministering, in that desolate, remote place. It's a desert, and it was a desert that it was, too, it was too dry, it was too rough, it was too rocky for anyone to, to, to really farm. There was no farming going on. You see some of the, the pictures there. This was also really, really cool. This is why I'm excited to actually go to Israel. It was, it was also the place where Jesus was tempted by the devil in Luke chapter 4 in verse 2. So let me lay out the background and scene for John's ministry. When it says ways or paths, right, talks about the ways and the paths, both terms are, are really, they're really describing a public road or a, or a highway, okay? So when he talks about roads or ways, he's talking about a, a, a public road or a highway. They didn't have really much highway construction going on until the Roman Empire, so before the Roman Empire, there wasn't really much, much happening. When the Roman Empire came around, then you started getting some, some roads that were being built and more road construction and taking care of the roads. 
In the earliest time, road work basically, basically consisted of moving larger stones out of the road. You know, you get your road going, and then somehow a stone falls off and rolls into the road, so they got that out of the way. And the idea was to, to do your best to get rid of the, the bumps and the potholes in the road. So they spent time trying to constru- you know, construct the road or reconstruct the road, getting large boulders out of the way, leveling the bumps, leveling the potholes. In Matthew chapter 3, it says, this prepare for God's arrival prepare for God's arrival make the road smooth and straight make the road smooth and straight when an emperor or a king was coming to make a state visit okay they would what they would do is they would clear the way for their king right they would make way for the king for their lord for their king their emperor. So prepare the way meant getting the road in the best shape it could possibly be in. Because what you don't want to see happen is your king or your emperor is coming to make a state visit and he's going up and down the roads. You know, I mean, you don't you don't kind of want the guy coming ticked off. All right. You want him in a good mood. You want you want to you want to smooth it out. Let him know he's so important. So you get the bumps and you get the potholes and you get the rocks and you smooth you make that road smooth and you make it straight for the coming of the king. This was really important, right? Everybody knows the king is coming. Everyone knows the emperor is coming. We got to do everything we can to prepare for his coming. Everything was done. With everything was done to make way, to make way for the coming of the king. Make way. You know, when the president visits, right, in Ohio, where he visits the place, you know, you know it, it's a celebration, right? We, we, things are put in place. Except in this, in this culture, if he doesn't like it, you know, no one gets killed. Back then, you know what I mean? If then something went wrong, people, you know, off of their head, crucify him, hang him upside down, wherever the case may be. But everything was done to make way for the coming of the king. Also, when the king was making a state visit, what would happen is you have his his herald. His herald would run ahead of his chariot and the herald would, would let everyone know the king is coming. He would let all the people know. He would tell, he would announce it to everyone. The king is coming. The king is coming. The herald here was a royal officer. Okay, and his responsibility was to proclaim the king's message, the king's decrees to all the people. Right. You've seen the movies. Hear ye, hear ye, you know, by proclamation of the king. So the herald would go ahead and he would tell people the king's message. He would tell people the king's proclamations, all the king's decrees. So everyone knew when the king was there. This all describes This all describes the ministry of John. He was preparing the way. He was the herald. He was the forerunner of Jesus. Okay? So John in the desert of Judea, he was he was crying out. He was the forerunner. He was the one who was telling everyone, the king is coming. Your king, your your Messiah. He was telling the people to prepare themselves for their Messiah, for their king. Be prepared. Get your hearts right. Get your hearts in the right place because the king is coming. Your Messiah, the one you've been waiting for, he's coming. But John's ministry was so much deeper spiritually than preparing the way for any earthly king or earthly emperor or earthly president. Okay? 
if we're being honest, I, I was thinking about this. If we're being honest, I was thinking of myself too. You know, how, how do I prepare? How do we, pre- how do we prepare for the coming of the king? And if we're being honest, um, when it comes to celebrating the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the king, um, I'm not sure how spiritually deep we really are when it comes to our preparation and our celebration. We do things like put up trees, um, decorate trees, and we, we go to parties and um, we, we invite people over and we, we go shopping. Go, sh- go shopping, right? We do a lot of shit, right? You just, I mean, how many people are out this week, right, shopping? And you cook lots of food, lots of food preparation. And honestly, I'm, I'm totally sincere. All those things are nice. All those things are good. There's, not, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing, okay? I say, I say this year, this year in this church, we strive for more. And I'm not going to get up here. I am not going to beat up on cooking and present shopping and Black Friday and whatever else. Go ahead and do it. You know, it's a lot of fun. You run around and do some stuff. You know, don't go crazy. Don't spend more than you can. You should. Right. But it's okay. You're buying people gifts and you're going to parties and you're inviting people over and you're you love to cook. Those are all great things. But when we're talking about the coming of the ultimate king, the Messiah, I, I think we can do better. I think we should I think we should strive for more. God is calling Grace Chapel. God is calling all of us to be more than just shoppers, to be thunder in the desert. That's what he's calling us to be, each one of us. You know, I think about it sometimes. It's like, well, I'm the pastor, so I'm, you, well, I'm supposed to be the thunder in the desert. And this person, well, he's an elder. He's supposed to be more thunder. But I'm just a common, everyday congregant. And so I don't need to, you know, calm down about this thunder in the desert thing. The amazing thing about Christianity and other religions, okay, the amazing thing about Christianity is God has the exact same expectations of you as he has of me. He called you. He died for you specifically. He gave you all these gifts and these talents and these abilities and these resources. He gave them to you and he expects you, not just me, to be the thunder in the desert, not just to bake good cookies, right? I love cookies. You can bake them for me, all right? I will praise God if you make me cookies. I love it. But he's expecting you and he's expecting me and he's expecting us as a church to be more, to do more, to be thunder in the desert. That's what he's talking about. We need to remind people, here's the thing. We think about Jesus and we think about celebrating Jesus' birth, but then we have to ask ourselves, why did he have to come? And if we, if, if, if we would, if we would honestly think about why did he have to come, if we would do that, we're going to experience, we talk about Advent, okay? We're going to experience the joy, and we're going to experience the peace, and we're going to experience the hope, and we're going to experience the love, and we're going to experience the blessing like we never have before. This will really be something to celebrate. If we think about why we're celebrating, I wa- you know, you, you can laugh and everything, but I watch a lot of Hallmark movies. And we have, a, we watch so many, it's like, we, we sit there and, and we're waiting for it, wait for it, and then they say something ridiculous, like when you hang something on a tree, and that's the meaning of Christmas. No, it's not, for goodness sake. Decorating the tree is not the meaning of Christmas. Making a snow angel with a guy, with, you know, with your girlfriend or boyfriend is not the meaning of Christmas. 
Okay, it's fun, it's good, but it's not the meaning of Christmas. Got to ask yourself, why did Jesus have to come? And that will give you, that will give you the true meaning of Christmas. That will give you that peace and that joy and that hope and that love and that blessing of the season like never before. It says that John was the voice speaking of Jesus. He was speaking for Jesus. The term voice, okay, the, tr- the, the term here voice implies crying aloud, okay? So John was, John was out there and he was speaking for Jesus and he was crying aloud. He was preparing the people. And, 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 and what it means is he called out so loudly. He was boisterous. He was that thunder in the desert because he wanted people to be aware. He wanted to get people's attention. He was trying to get people's attention. He was fired up, man. He, he'd been waiting his whole life. He, he existed for this and now was coming. And he wanted to let everyone know why Jesus Christ was coming. That he was coming and why he was coming. His voice thundered so that everyone knew. He talked with enthusiasm about, about Jesus Christ so that everyone, everyone understood that something dynamic was coming, coming. Something, something supernatural was coming, coming. Something amazing. Something powerful was coming. His voice was a voice of a prophet. Which means his voice, biblically, his voice had authority. He had authority. The voice of a prophet is accepted as the voice of the Lord. So John, okay, John the Baptist here was a prophet. And so John's words had authority because he was speaking as to the Lord. And obeying the message of a prophet always brought about blessing in the lives of believers. When you obey the, the, the message of a prophet, you are blessed by God. Jesus Christ is God's ultimate prophet. And God foretold this prophecy, if you will, through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. The prophecy, the, the ultimate prophet who was coming, Jesus Christ. And Deuteronomy 18, 18 and 19 says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything that I have commanded. Anyone who does not heed the words of the, that prophet shall speak, um, shall speak in my, uh, any, anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. This is Jesus Christ. But here's the amazing thing. Here's the really amazing thing. When we obey God's message through his prophet, there is always, like I say, there is always this blessing. There's always a blessing. But how much more, how much more of a blessing when we obey the words of Jesus Christ, who is so much more than just a prophet? He is the, he is God the Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not just a prophet, he is God the Son, he is God in flesh, in human form. Right? We sing about that at Christmas. He is God in the flesh, so much more than just a prophet. And God's invitation was extended to everyone to receive Christ into their hearts, to receive the kingdom of God. God's invitation was extended to everyone who heard the voice of John. 
was extended to us all. And then Paul reminds us throughout the book of Romans that that same, that same invitation is for all of us as well. Not just the people then, but the people now. Remember what it says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. It's for all of us. The Holy Spirit of God invites us to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But that decision is our choice. That decision is our choice. Jesus came, the ultimate prophet. God the Son, God in the flesh, and spoke the truth. And the Holy Spirit invites every single one of us into the kingdom of God through Christ. But that's our choice. That's up to us. Here's the thing. Here's the, here's the, here's what John was talking about. In order for us to receive that, we need to soften our hearts. We need to honestly, if we're going to experience Christmas the way it should be experienced, then we, me, you, all of us need to soften our hearts, prepare our hearts, make our hearts straight. Prepare our hearts to hear his truth. John preached, think about this, John preached in the desert. Jesus Christ was tempted in that same desert. But most of all, our human hearts are spiritual deserts. That's why Jesus Christ had to come. It wasn't to give us a holiday so we can get off a week or two from college or from high school or grade school, whatever. It was because our hearts are spiritual deserts. Without Jesus, they are spiritually dry. They are full of ruts. They are as hard as rocks. Without God moving in our hearts, they become, they stay, if you will, spiritually dry, rutted, rocky. The prophet Jeremiah points, he kind of he paints this intense picture of the condition of the human heart. And I know this is kind of hard to hear, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying this not with like hellfire brimstone, but more with a love and a compassion for every single one of you. And, and just for myself as well, in the sense that I need to recognize this as well, that our hearts are, are kind of hardened spiritually. And the prophet Jeremiah kind of lays out, he lays out for us the condition of the human heart. In Jeremiah 17, 9, he says this. Listen to these words. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. In other versions, it says desperately wicked. Who can understand it? I mean, how many of us have sat back sometimes and said, how could I have possibly done that? How could I think that? Why would I do that? There's your answer. But the Holy Spirit of God, when we ask Christ to come into our lives, the Holy Spirit of God is living in us. And he's kind of he's battling with that sinful nature. He's battling with that hardened heart to soften that heart, to soften that heart. That hardness, though, is displayed in many ways in the church. I'll give you a couple of examples. Many people live basically quietly in the church, quietly ignoring him. I come to church, but you quietly ignore him. People deny his power in their lives by refusing to obey his word. This is an epidemic in Christianity. 
somehow, some way, in the postmodern world, my feelings have trumped the word of God. And if that happens, your heart's going to stay in the same position it is right now. We refuse to obey his words. Some people, will they'll do just enough, right? They, they, they do just enough. No one's really saying, well, golly, let's point something out desperately wicked in that person's life. No, nothing desperately wicked. They do just enough. They kind of, they fly under the radar, you know what I mean? But God wants more from us. He wants it all. That's what I'm talking about. And not just from me as the pastor. He wants it all from you. God wants it all. It is time, honestly, it's time for us in the church to repent and honor God with our whole lives. To repent and honor God with every single pore of our being. Everything we are, everything we say, everything we do, everywhere we go, everything. Everything we watch, everything we listen to, everything is His. Remember you got baptized? You died to the old self and you were raised with Christ. You no longer live. The Bible says you are no longer alive, but Christ lives in you. There is a, God lives in you. God is, amen brother. God is living in you. You are now dead in Christ and Christ lives and he is alive in you. John, John, would John the Thunder would challenge each one of us. He would challenge me. He would challenge you to repent and to recognize your sin. And this is what it says in verse 2. To change your life. To change your life. That's what John was saying. Change your life. Why? The kingdom of God is here. He is here. The kingdom of God is here, brought in through Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 2, change your life. Repent from how you have been living in this mediocrity. Change your life and give yourself wholly and completely to him. Right now, right now, there are people who are dishonoring God. Some people say, some people say they love Jesus. But here's the thing. They say they love Jesus, but they live the way they, they please. Pleasure, not holiness, not righteousness, is what guides and directs their choices. And and John, again, the thunder, challenges us to repent of that and to change our lives in that area. Right now, honestly, some people are dishonoring God with their behavior. You're leading people, hear me out, hear my heart for a second here. You're leading people away from Christ. We talked about what's Christmas all about. Why did Jesus have to come? And the goal is to to lead people into a closer relationship with Christ. But because of the way that we're living, we're we're leading people away from Christ. You You don't have the courage... To tell the truth. And I'll get even a little more harsh. You don't love them enough. You don't love people enough to tell them the truth. You're more concerned about if you say something, what they're going to think of you and what they're going to say about you. I want you, I want you to put this in context, okay? John is saying, John is the thunder in the, he is the thunder in the desert, okay? He's the thunder in the desert. But we don't have the courage to tell the people who we say we love the truth about who Jesus Christ really is and what they need to do to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't thunder, we whimper, we cower.
We're called to be thunder. And what do we do? We'd rather hang around with people and do things we know is dishonoring to God so that they think better of us. But what does that make us? If we know the truth and we know ultimately what happens to those who don't have a relationship with Christ, my goodness, where, where are we leading people? Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing. Here's the thing. Refreshment is needed in the desert. Our hearts, Jeremiah says, are like a desert. And refreshing is needed in a desert. I'm saying to you, watching this, revive your heart for God. Let God pour into you through his Holy Spirit and revive. Some of you are kind of that, you're wilted. You know, you're saying, I hear you, Pastor. I get you. I agree with you. I've been kind of wilted. I've been kind of, I'm not living the way I should be living. But you need that refreshing that comes from God. You need that. We need to, honestly, what we need, what I need, what we all need to do is we need to be like David. What David said in Psalm 51, in Psalm 51, 11, he says, he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Drench me through your Holy Spirit. Water my heart, water that hard ground of my heart. And you can come to church all of your life, okay? You can come to church all of your life, and you can sit there in those seats all of your life and listen and listen and listen, and your heart, your heart can still be hard. And God is saying, refresh. Ref- let, let the Holy Spirit pour into you and refresh. This morning, some of you need to repent and to change your way of living. Repent of the choices that you're making. And I know repent is not a word we're supposed to use anymore in church. It offends people. You know what's offensive? What's offensive is a pastor who doesn't have the courage to get up and use the word repent. And then doesn't care and love people enough to challenge. And I'm calling myself out. That's the thing. I need to repent of things in my life where I need to change. Where I need to cut off some of those sharp edges. We all need that. We need to bring about repentance. This morning, we need to repent of our life choices. Our hearts must become a highway for God. They must become a pathway for God. The Holy Spirit wants to enter our hard and dry and rough and callous hearts and change them, not just now, but for eternity. That's what God wants to do. That's what God wants to do in our hearts. The question is, the real question is, are we open? Or do we just want to go through the motions this Christmas like every other Christmas? And not really prepare, right? Advent. Let's go through Advent. I'll light a candle next week and we'll light another candle. We'll talk about hope and peace and joy and love and all that. It's great. It's all true. But are we going to prepare like we have in the past? Or are we really? Are we serious about this? If we're not serious, let's just take our ball and go home here, okay? Are we going to prepare Like John prepared. Are we going to be thunder in the desert? When we allow him, he brings all... Listen, and I know people are struggling, but when we allow the Holy Spirit, 
He brings all of the sinful mountains in our lives low. He brings them low. The bumps and the, and the potholes, He brings them low. He will crush. He will... Listen, the thunder in the desert is talking about the one to come, the storm to come. And the storm, okay, when the storm washes over, He can crush those habits that are holding you back. He can crush them. He can overcome all those thoughts that constantly are are racking your brain from the past and all the things that you're struggling with. He can renew your mind. We're not talking about, and I, I love cookies and I love going shopping. We're not talking about cookies and shopping. We're talking about renewing of the mind. That is the power of God. That is the power of Jesus Christ. That is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in our lives. He will make our hearts smooth and He will make our hearts straight. He repairs, listen, He repairs all those ruts. He repairs all those potholes and makes our hearts level highways for the coming of our Lord and our King. But we must give Him the freedom to transform us. Where are you this morning? Think about it. Where where am I? Where is Jeff Greer this morning? Ask yourself, where am I this morning? Are you living for yourself, for your own pleasures? Is that more important? Is it more important to go clubbing with all your buddies? Or is it more important to take the time and figure out how can I, how can I, I've known this person for 20 years or 10 years or 5 years and how can, God, God, maybe spend some time on your knees asking God how you can enter into a conversation and give that person more hope than just the next Friday or Saturday's pleasures. They're dying inside. And all they're reaching for is the next thing. Maybe, maybe someone will love me. Maybe someone will love me. Maybe I can hook up with someone. Maybe they'll love me. Maybe they'll love me. Maybe they'll show me the love I never had. You're the only person who can heal those hurts and show you the love that you never had. It's Jesus Christ. Are you, are you flying under the spiritual radar this morning? You're doing your thing. No one would say anything about your spiritual walk. They don't really know anything about your spiritual walk. You kind of fly under the radar. Are you finding your identity? Are you finding... Think about this. This is really... Are you finding your identity? Am I finding my identity? Am I finding my value in something other than Jesus Christ? Is that where I am this morning? I care so much about what everybody else thinks. Hear so much about what everybody else says. I'm finding my value. I'm finding my identity in something other than Jesus Christ. You're not free. Are you living? Are you living a weak, pathetic, mediocre Christian life? Are you sick of it? Honestly, this is a this is a new day. This is a new Christmas. Prepare this Christmas to not, to prepare this Christmas to get the gift of not a mediocre, pathetic, weak Christian life, but a dynamic, on fire, powerful, overwhelming Christian life. I'm here this morning, honestly. I came this morning, I thought to myself, have the courage, have the courage to maybe be someone's thunder in the desert this morning. I want to have the courage this morning to be the thunder in the desert, maybe for some of you, to remind you, to remind you of this, of the one, to remind you of the one who's already come 
and the one who is coming again. But listen to me, this is really important, okay? The one who is coming again, but the next time he comes, he will not be a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger. He will be coming back to judge my heart. He will be coming back to judge your heart. Why did he have to come in the first place? Because of our hearts. We need to make our hearts straight. We need to make our hearts smooth. We need to prepare our hearts to understand, to grasp, to own who Jesus Christ is in our lives. It's time to wake up, church. It is time to wake up. It is time for us to thunder. It is time for us to reflect, to each one of us individually to reflect on our own lives and set our hearts right with Him, to get our lives right with God. That's what it's time for. It's, it is time for us, it is time for us to hear the thunder and to ask for forgiveness. It is time for us to hear John's words and to hear Jesus' words and to hear Paul's words and to hear the word of God. Maybe for the first time to really hear the word of God. Why? So that I and you, all of us, can be that thunder in the desert. So that we can be God's thunder in the desert. So this is not just another Christmas that comes and goes. But maybe for the first time you sit down with someone and you have the courage and you have the boldness and you have the passion not just to hand them a present, but to hand them the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Maybe this is the Christmas that changes our lives, changes our lives. Let's prepare for Advent, but not by going through religious, the religiosity of it, but by digging deep down in our hearts and realizing why we celebrate it in the first place. And having the courage and the boldness to be that thunder in the desert for all those around us. God, we thank you for this time that we can spend together. We ask, dear God, that you would truly move in our hearts. And that this Christmas would be different. That we would not be cowardly. That we would not whimper. That we would speak with boldness and power and passion into the lives of the people that we love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Like thunder